God is a good God. Amen. Amen. Well, hope everyone's doing good. Um, looks like that it might be getting fall now. It's not 100 degrees anymore, so, so that's good. Um, you know, but you never know. If you live in Oklahoma, you know, we, our, our seasons are, are really weird around here. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles or your devices or whatever, turn with me to John 3.16. John 3.16. And for some of you that um, want to know, this is actually the first memory verse that I can ever remember that I remembered. Um, at Southside Assembly, my grandfather's church um, down in Garland, Texas. And, and so this is mem- the first memory verse that I ever remember that I didn't remember. I don't know. I remember I got some candy or something like that for remembering this verse. But John three sixteen, the new King James Version says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever um, believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. So, you know, the Bible says that God so loves the world. Amen. But the way that God shows forth love to the world is through us. We're his hands, we're his feet. And, you know, sometimes you look at some Christians and you wonder, how is that showing forth God's love to the world? I mean, by the way you act, it doesn't seem like you're being very lovely. And I'm not talking about, you know, love toward, a lot of people have love toward our brothers and sisters here in, in Christ, but when it comes out, our love toward the world. You know, whenever you say someone's a worldly person, that means they're probably in sin, all right? But God loves people no matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing, God still loves them and he still wants them to, 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 you know, to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the whole reason they sent Jesus. Now I tell you all this because I want to show you um, a story about someone you, many of you probably know, Lynette Carp. Um, she graduated here. Now she's actually in the ministry. She was here at church for a while and we, and we recorded this story um, a number of months ago and hadn't had a chance to play it. So um, if you guys can roll this story, go ahead and do it. Hi, my name is Lynette Carp, and this is my story of faith. If anyone would have been a good candidate for being born gay, I was one of them. From as far back as I can remember, I had feelings of the, for the same sex. So in eighth grade, when I came out to my mom and told her that I was a lesbian, she wasn't surprised and um, she fully supported that lifestyle and and everything I was doing it was kind of that point in my life when things kind of started to go downhill in high school I got into drinking and smoking a lot of marijuana just really got into partying starting to really kind of just live my own life do my own thing and then uh, after that I ended up going to college on scholarship and in colleges when things got super crazy partying as much as I possibly could the drugs started to continue going on I was trying different drugs other than marijuana after my freshman year that ended up not really working out so I was just trying to be a student and I was partying so much that I wasn't going to classes really and it was just kind of a waste of money so I ended up coming home when I got home 
this is the point in my life when things really started to get get ridiculous. There was a point in my life when I had three different adulterous affairs with different women that ultimately kind of were the catalyst of ending those marriages. After all of that, I ended up getting married. I got married to a woman, and uh, we had three stepkids, and I, I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't searching for God. I was just trying to live my life and just build a life with someone and do those things that people do. At this point in my life, my little sister Megan, she ended up getting born again. She was the first person in our family to really make that decision to give their life to Christ. I had never seen such a, a radical change in anyone in my life before. It was it was just crazy. And our family kind of called her the, the crazy Christian chick because it was so different than what she was doing before. But I was just so happy she was out of the life and the stuff she was doing that if she was going to be a crazy Christian, then awesome. She, she wasn't getting into the stuff she was in anymore. It was at that point that I really started to see that there was something different in her. All of the Christians that I had seen up until that point were really hypocritical. They would really just, at times, would say, you know, your, your lifestyle is going to send you to hell, that type of stuff. But those they were partying with me. They were doing the same exact stuff I was doing. But with Megan, it was different. I really saw a light in her. She just loved me. I had never seen someone just just absolutely loved someone wholeheartedly. Megan actually even came to my wedding and she was she was uh, living her life for Christ and came to a lesbian wedding and she just continued to love me and and was doing her thing. But what I didn't know is that in the background she was interceding for me. The minute she got born again, she started really just learning about the word and and continuing to love me to my face and then continue to, to go to war and pray for me when I, I had no idea what she was doing. And so that was a huge, a huge point when I think really things started to change because I can't think of anyone else in my life who would have been praying for me. No one else was really living for Christ. She actually ended up inviting me to a conference that they were having at her church she was going to. It's in Portland, Oregon. It has two Rama pastors. I'd never seen them before in my life. Um, never been into that church. I usually didn't go into churches just because of all the hypocrisy that I had received. And it was not like any church service I had ever been to. There was a guy, this cat looked like he just walked out of the Old Testament. Like he, the way he was dressed, I was just, this is already the craziest thing I've ever seen. And people were lined up and he was walking around just praying for people. And I didn't know what was going on spiritually, but I knew something supernatural was happening. And uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of him doing his thing, he, he just turned around and looked back at us. We were probably like, I don't know, 15, 15 rows back. We were nowhere near the front. And he pointed directly at me and he said, you, you're in a relationship that you don't need to be in. And at that moment, the power of God hit me and I just, I just started, I just broke down just completely broke down. I was just bawling my eyes out, like ugly crying, snot everywhere. And he ended up coming over to me and he just embraced me. He's taller than me. He just gave me a big bear hug. Just started praying over me and there was a point in the prayer when he was praying that I physically felt something come out of my stomach. I don't remember what he said, but it, it was so strong that I actually hunched over because 
whatever it was, I was like, what? That's crazy. He just starts speaking into my life and he starts sharing things about my life that no one on this planet would know. It was just the craziest, the craziest thing ever. And it was in that moment was the first time that I felt the love of God. I had never felt anything like that in my life. I hear sometimes people often joke about like, oh, the love of God, like it's some foo-foo type thing, but it's not. There's, there's conviction in that love. That was the first time in my life that I was sin conscious. I, I, I recognized my need for a savior. I could see, it was almost, it was the craziest thing, like the scales just fell off my eyes and I just knew truth. I just understood that that life wasn't the life that he had for me. I understood that I was filthy in my sin, that I needed a savior, that that's who Jesus was, that he had, he had taken all of that on him for me. After that moment, I, I was never the same. All it takes is just one moment with the love of God, and you it's impossible to be the same person after a moment like that. After all of that, we got in the car, and we're driving home, and that was when I said my first real prayer, and I just said, God, if that's really you, that's all I want. I don't want anything else in this life. I just want you. And the lesbianism was just a small part of the bondage that I was in. I often hear people say it seems like lesbianism is the ultimate sin or homosexuality is the ultimate sin, but really that was just a small part of everything that I was going through. In that season, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. I was having panic attacks almost on the daily. Uh, My drinking was ramping up. I was having to drink every single night to really just make myself relax enough to be able to sleep. And after that experience with Jesus, all of that was completely gone. The anxiety, I had not had a panic attack since that day. All of those things just completely disappeared. And I'm so thankful that I have a God who can really break chains. And it's just, even to this day, I look back on that day, like I just I just walk backwards through my story and I just trip over grace and over his mercy and his goodness and his forgiveness. Even in seasons since that, um, where I've maybe gotten back into the pig pen or fallen back into different things that I had always done, he continued to pursue me. I've never seen his back. He's always pursued me. He's always been there for me. For anyone who is maybe walking out some of the same stuff that I have, especially people who already know Christ, who have walked back into sin, prodigals, who have walked back into sin. Just come back to God in Jesus' name. He's there waiting for you. His arms are wide open, and he's right there ready and willing to forgive you for anything that you've done. There's, there's no sin that's too big. There's, there's nothing that you could have done in your life that would keep him from ever wanting you. He he loves you and he's going to continue to love you no matter what and anything that that you're doing and it's the blood of Jesus that covers all of that. Amen. You know, it makes you want to almost cry because it was the love of God that changed Lynette's life. And it's the love of God that can change many people's life. You know, and so many times we, we see somebody maybe in the middle of gross sin and, and, and we kind of judge them. 
Maybe you don't say it to their face, but sometimes, you know, we're, we're judging them. But you don't know their story. You don't know their background. You don't know what they went through. You, you, and really, what does it matter? I mean, you know, in order to show forth God's love, God needs us. You know, um, many people want to fill a church up with Christians who went to other churches. But you know what? We need to fill a church up with people who are hurting, people who are lost, people that need Jesus. Or people that, that, for whatever reason, maybe at one point in time were in church, but they've got, they fell away. But you know what? We, we can't do that if we don't show forth God's love to the world. You know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, um, you know, it, like I said, it, it was the love of God. The, the Passion Translation says it this way, John three sixteen. For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him, but the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of the only son of God. You have to understand that most of the time, these people know they're going to hell. They don't need you to tell them. They don't need condemnation. They don't need you to tell them the truth. You know, like I said, the lesbianism in her life was only one thing. There were a lot of other things going on in her life, Um, but she didn't grow up in a Christian home. She she didn't grow up in, in, in a home that that showed forth the love of God. But praise God that her sister got saved. And you know what? Not only did she show forth God's love, but she began, she kept praying for her. She kept praying for her. She kept praying for her. You know, um, like I said, there, there is a lot of people out there that are hurting. And a lot of times Christians are, are so, hip, like I said, hypocritical. And that's the reason why they won't darken the door of a church. Because they think that, well, they're hypocrites. Or they think, well, if I come into that church, they're going to treat me different. They're going to ostracize me. But you know what? You know, God is love. And the way he shows forth his love to this world is through us. You know, if every Christian would have been hypocritical to her, she would ultimately ended up in hell. I mean, you know, we don't realize that. And sometimes um, you say, well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to witness. Well, one day, long time ago, um, me and David Kramer, he's, he's a pastor now in, in um, Phoenix, we were in Newport Beach, California. And we decided to go rollerblading on the beach. We rented some rollerblades, we were rollerblading. And um, we stopped for, uh, some, you know, for some snacks and there was a street preacher there. So we're like, okay, we're listening to this guy. Well, he wasn't much of a street preacher. He just kept telling everyone they're going to hell. Said, if you're a Mormon, you're going to hell. If, if you're uh, Islamic, you're going to hell. I mean, he just kept going through all the different things until one time, until he got to some point that someone decided to challenge him, you know, because, and all of a sudden a fight broke out it was entertaining, I will say that. Um, you know, and then ultimately the police were actually, they were not too far away, came and 
broke it up and sent the guy on up. I'm thinking, you know what? The guy probably comes out here every, every day and he probably gets nobody saved because he keeps telling people they're going to hell. He keeps telling people they're going to hell. It's just like Brother John, I think that was his name, can't remember. He would come to Oklahoma State University every year. Was that his name, Brother John? I think that was his name. He would come every year and basically he would be there by the library and people would come out and he wasn't showing forth God's love. He, he was showing forth hate. I mean, you know, he, he's saying, these people are going to hell. Those people are going to hell. Everyone's going to hell. And um, so all it turned out was, is that, um, you know, some people would throw eggs at him and all. And, and so he's actually going out and saying, well, you know, I'm suffering for the gospel's sake. But the problem is, it's because of the way Brother John preached that a lot of Oklahoma State, you know, students didn't want to become Christians because they don't want to be like Brother John. In fact, the Ocali newspaper, when I was there, actually wrote an article about, about that. You know, it's interesting. And I'm thinking, he goes to college campuses every week and probably gets very few people saved. You know, our God is love. Our God is mercy. Our God is compassion. Our God is, for, you know, is forgiveness. In fact, when Jesus Christ himself walked the earth, do you realize the only people that he really condemned were the religious ones? He, he didn't condemn the sinners. In fact, the, the woman, you know, that was caught in the middle of adultery, he basically says, you know, he without sin cast the first stone. Then he told her, go and sin no more. He, it, we don't have any time in the Bible where Jesus ever condemned the sinner. Because Jesus didn't come to this world to condemn the sinner. Jesus came to save the sinner. But the sinner is not going to get saved if, if we're remaining rude and, you know, whatever to the person. I mean, you know, and that's, that's what really, that's what they expect. Do you realize that, that when someone that is in sin comes across a Christian, that's the first thing that they expect is for you to condemn them. And, you know, it actually throws them off guard if you don't condemn them. If you treat them like a real person, because they are a real person. They are, you know, they're just hurting. And we live in a hurting world right now. There's lots of people who are hurting. And it's up to us to show forth God's love to them, you know, because they need somebody. They're looking for somebody to show forth God's love to them. Mark 16, 15, New King James says this. He's, Jesus talking to his disciples and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now, you know, it says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Um, the Passion Translation says it this way. And he said to them, as you go into all the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. Now it says to go into the entire world and preach the gospel to everybody. Do you realize that everybody includes sinners? Do you realize everybody includes people that are engulfed in sin and, you know, not doing, not living the way that we think that they should live? 
But you know, they're worldly people. What, what, what do we expect? Or you say, well, yeah, but they grew up in church. Well, you know what? They're deceived. Do you realize the devil tries to deceive us, tries to, you know, the Bible even tells us, I read it all the time, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to destroy that person. But if you do nothing but condemn them, then they're not going to get saved. Now, you say, well, this verse says, well, if they don't accept Jesus, they'll be condemned. Yeah, but it doesn't say you condemn them. It says, you know, they're going to be condemned because they made that choice. They made that choice. All right, but that doesn't mean you can't keep praying for them. That doesn't mean you can't keep reaching out. That doesn't mean that you can't say, I'm, I'm always here. Because there are going to be people maybe you work with, maybe that you, you know, your neighbors or whatever that are living a lifestyle or a thing that, that maybe, you, maybe, you know, you don't approve of, maybe God doesn't approve of, but you know what? God still loves them. And the only way for him to show forth God's love is using you. Using you. You know, you have an opportunity to change someone's life. But your mouth, your thought life can, can make that opportunity not an opportunity but because the way we think, you know, we can't be combative. I get it. You know, she wasn't living the life that she should live. But there were a lot of things going on in her life. And she did not know how to get out of that situation. It's interesting whenever she says she was happy for her sister who got saved, even though she was a crazy Christian, at least she was not doing some of the things she was doing. So really, she actually understood that her sister needed to change. And I believe that's what ultimately led her to come to that meeting. But you know what? She can't come to a meeting if nobody invites her. You can't come, I mean, people are not, most people are not just going to come and say, I'm just going to come to church. You know, and they're sure not going to come to church if there's a condemning Christian that they work with that goes to a certain church. They're not going to go to that certain church because they're going to think everybody in that church is condemning. All right, so if you want to be condemning to these people, do not tell anyone you're going to Rainbow Bible Church. Or do not tell anyone that you're, you're, a, you're a Rhema student. You know, because, I mean, if, 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 if we haven't taught you that, then you need to go learn more. Maybe you need to go back to fourth or fifth year or whatever, some of you people out there. Um, you know, the thing about it is, the only way that God's love can be shown to the world is through us. You know, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. In our hearts. It's on the inside of you. You know, and um, there are people that are hurting. There are people that are hurting. And, and, and they're looking for an answer, but you, you can't find an answer if everyone's condemning to them. I mean, you know, I get it. Remember, God so loved the world. The world is everybody. The, Jesus told the disciples to go everywhere, to, to talk to everyone. The only way to get people saved is to go to where they are. 
You remember what Jesus said whenever Zacchaeus, the wee little man, the wee little man was he, he climbed above the sycamore tree to see what he could see. Anyone know about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a tax collector and we'll think, oh, he worked for the IRS. No, he was a, he was a crook, more like the mob, all right? You know, take some for, the, for Caesar, take some for himself or whatever. And so here's a guy that, that he knows he's a sinner, but you know what? There was something about Jesus and he was a short guy because obviously we sing about that in the little song in children's church. I know it's probably in the world that we live in, that's, we probably shouldn't sing that song anymore. Can't sing about a song about a short guy, you know. But he climbed up a tree to see Jesus because there was something that he saw that he wanted to see. Because you know what? Jesus didn't act like the religious leaders. See, religious leaders, you know, that, that were there that day, the, the ones that Jesus talked about, they were out condemning. But Jesus wasn't condemning. Not only did, did Jesus see Zacchaeus, he went to him and says, hey, I want to come hang out with you. And they're like, hey, you're not coming to my house. You know, I mean, you know, the, the thing about it is, is that Jesus loves the whole world. All right, I, I know in children's church, I'm, I'm, you know, we would sing that Jesus loved the little children, all the little children of the world. But you know, Jesus loves you even when you're not a little children. Just because you grow up doesn't mean that he quits loving you. Just because you fall into sin doesn't mean he quits loving you. Just because you do things that are not right doesn't mean he quits loving you. Jesus always loves us. You know, he sacrificed himself for us. But since he's no longer here on this earth, he needs us to be his, his hands and his feet. To me, I, I, I get offended when, when I see Christians that are condemning to people because you know what? Um, I don't want to be in the same category. I don't want to be in the same category. Well, you know, in, in life, um, I've traveled quite a bit um, throughout the thing, especially with my grandfather. We, we, you know, we'd be on the road two weeks at a time, sometimes five weeks at a time. So I've had many times to have an opportunity to get my hair cut all over the place. Had some good ones, had some bad ones. Um, but you know, one of the things I always cringed about when I'm getting my hair cut was I didn't, I wanted to, I didn't want them to ask me right off the bat, what do you do for a living? Because whenever you, that question, what do you do for a living? Ultimately, you know, as soon as I say I'm a minister, that turns people off. You know, and so I remember I was getting my hair cut downtown Denver, Colorado. Um, you know, and according to my postcard, Satan lives in Denver, by the way. Um, downtown Denver, Colorado, a place called Floyd 66 Barbershop. Um, on a Friday afternoon, it was around noon. Um, you know, I just walked in and said, I want a haircut. I don't know who works there. I don't know who they're going to give me. And the lady who um, was going to cut my hair had multicolored hair. So I'm like, man, maybe I should get some, some color in my hair because she's probably really good at it. Um, for you that don't remember I, or don't know, I used to have, always, I had blonde tips all the time or blonde hair, whatever. Um, but this girl had like purple and green and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, whenever you see someone with multicolored hair, you know, immediately, and, and, and in a place like Denver, Colorado, immediately probably I'm thinking they probably don't believe like I believe. Or whatever. And thank God, right off the bat, you know, she didn't 
asked me what I did. In fact, the first, her first thing she asked me, this is a Friday afternoon, around noon sometime, and um, her first thing she said is, well, have you started drinking yet today? Now, you know, a lot of Christians would, would have like, you know, I bind you in Jesus' name and all kinds of stupid stuff like that and, and, and you know, set up. But I just simply answered the question, no, I haven't. I didn't lie. I, I just told her I didn't, you know. And, and here's the thing. See, sometimes our response, our, the way we respond to a question can either open the door or close it. Because I know a lot of people, you know, that, that would, at that, at that thing, would get offended because this person asked me, you know, I, I already pretty much, I know we shouldn't judge people, but by looking at the person, I pretty much had kind of put her in a box. This is Denver, Colorado, all right? You know, you, know, you, you got to realize, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not apologizing to people from Denver, but we realize it's a little more liberal there in Denver, Colorado. I was speaking at Denver, Colorado came back yesterday and won the ball game. So Deion Sanders um, is doing a good job coaching. And many of you remember Deion came and spoke right here at this stage. I mean, he's a, he's a great individual. He loves God. And I tell you what, his, his team loves God too. So if they don't, it kicks him off the team. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but pretty much. But anyway, so here we are. The first question is, have you started drinking yet? And I'm like, nope, I haven't. You know, I don't think I asked her if she had. I um, hope not because she's cutting my hair. But any, anyway. <laughs> so we started a conversation, you know, and because I'm just being myself, I'm kind of funny. And, you know, you know she's laughing and, you know, all these kind of things, you know. And, and so we had good rapport. It was, you know, it was a good conversation that, that, that we were having. I don't remember what it was about, but it, it didn't really matter. Then it came to the point where she asked the question, what do you do for a living? So I answered the question, I'm a minister. She thought I was joking. (laughs) She's like, you know, she started laughing. She thought I was joking because, you know, I've been making her laugh already. And so then I followed it up and said, well, I have an accounting degree, but I do not work in accounting. I'm actually a minister. She goes, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm a minister of the gospel. That's what I do. I, I, I preach the word. And then so I asked her, I said, do you go to church? And then, and then she said, well, I grew up in church, but the church I grew up in, it was all about rules and all about, you know, you know, different things. And, and I left the church and hadn't been in a long time. I said, I said, well, you know what? I mean, you can go to heaven without going to church, but it's a whole lot easier on the earth if you do go to church. And I began to talk to her about going to church and began to talk to her. It's not about rules, it's about relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, and, um, you know, talk to her, you know, about a lot of things. So, you know what she says? She says, well, I wish you lived here in Denver because I would go to your church. Now, the reason she would go to my church is because, see, we had a rapport. She liked the way I acted. I, I wasn't judgmental. I could have been judgmental from day, from day one as soon as I saw that. that I, there are some Christians I know as soon as they saw her would have already judged her and says, I don't want even want my hair cut by this lady. Or, or, or if they wouldn't, have, they, would have, they would have put off some kind of 
mean vibe or weird vibe, and especially when they opened up with, you haven't started your drinking yet. You know, the thing about it is, is as I had an opportunity to minister to her life. And, and then, you know, I, I gave her the websites. I said, you can watch us every Sunday, you know, all kinds of, of things, you know, but it was a good experience. We had a great talk. We talked about, we talked about Christ. She began to open up and ask me all kinds of different questions. Because I wasn't like the pastor she grew up with. I wasn't like the condemning Christians that she knew. You know, it's not that hard just to show forth God's love to the the lost and dying and hurting world. It's not that hard to realize that, that, you know, this, this person, like I said, she said she grew up in church. But she had gone away from the things of God. You know, um, all we got to do is, is just be Christ-like. You know, I, I do remember back in the 90s, many, m- most of you probably, probably you know, some of you are older, well, right, remember we had the WWJD, what would Jesus do? Do you realize that a lot of people would have the what would Jesus do bumper sticker on the back of their car? And then you would see them cussing out people and flipping them off and doing all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm thinking, huh, you're such a good Christian. Please take the bumper sticker off the back of your car. Um, you know, but the, the other side about it is a lot of people really won't do what Jesus did because Jesus was never condemning. The Bible actually says he did not come to this earth to condemn the sinner or to condemn, to condemn anybody. He came to this earth to be a savior, to show forth his love compassion, mercy, and forgiveness to a lost and dying and hurting world. So much so that when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he looked out there and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know what they're doing. You know what? That actually was a great example. And there has been many times in life where people have done things that are maybe mean, rude, or whatever. And that's how I, you know, what would Jesus do? I think the same thing. Father, forgive them so they don't even know what they're doing. Like, well, but they do know what they're doing. Well, I I pretend they don't. Sometimes we have to make excuses for people so that we can still love them. But you know, you never know. You don't know what that person's life is like. You don't know what they're going through. You have no clue. And the only way you're gonna ever find out is letting them in. And the only way you're going to let them in is show forth the love to them, you know, and, and it really freaks people out when, when, when a Christian doesn't act condemning. They're like, why are you different? Well, because I'm trying to do what Jesus did. Jesus reached out to the people that were more like down and out type people. Every time, I mean, everything that we read in the Bible, and I, I, don't, I don't see how a Christian can be condemning when the Bible says not to. I, I, I don't get it. You're like, yeah, but these people are going to hell. No doubt they're going to hell. And they probably know it. They probably know it. I mean, most of them realize you know, I, I think that there's a morality, you know, for everyone on, on the inside. Most of them realize that, 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 that they're not doing what they needed to do. And Lynette realized that her life wasn't where it needed to be. Thank God she came to that church. Thank God that that, that, that minister there, you know, was compassionate to her. 
You know, she wasn't condemning. You know, it was the love of God and began to speak into her life. She said it was the first time that she'd ever seen and experienced the love of God. And that, that's what changed her life. That's what put her on the course. That's what put her here to Raymond. And now she's out in ministry today because somebody loved her when she was a mess. Praise God that someone loved you when you were a mess. Praise God that somebody was praying for you when you were a mess. You know, and it doesn't always have to be your mama. You know, if there's people you work with right now, you know their life is a mess, you know they're not open to the gospel, why don't you pray for them? Maybe your neighbors, maybe people you know, live above you in your apartment and they're very irritating. Pray for those people. And if you're living in student housing, please be a good neighbor. I already heard about someone that's like, man, the people sound like they're, they're herding cows up there above me. Yeah, those apartments were built in, I don't know, 75, something like that probably, because we, we came here in 1976. Those apartments are old, all right? And so, you know, it's, it's kind of thin. So if you live in student housing, please, please realize that there are neighbors, all right? There, there's neighbors. Matthew chapter seven, and everybody knows this verse, or you should know this verse. Most people don't, don't do it, but most people know it. Matthew seven, one in, verses one and two, says this, judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, we shouldn't judge people. You say, you know, yeah, well, maybe they're not living right. Well, you know what? It's not, your, it's, it's not your responsibility to judge them. If you're living right or not living right, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not your opportunity to judge them. It's your responsibility to love them in spite of their faults. Now, I like it what it says in the passage translation. It says this, refuse, refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others and you will not be judged. You know, when a judging thought comes to your mind, drop it. I mean, there was, you know, when I looked at the girl that was gonna cut my hair, there were judging thoughts that came to my mind. Like, like she's probably not a Christian. She's, I mean, I, I don't, her life is probably not where mine is. But that doesn't matter, she's still a person. She's still an individual, you know, and um, it's not for us to, to judge them, it says, for you'll be judged with by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. You know, I, I think, in my own mind, I think some of the worst sinners are right here in the church. The judgmental Christians. And the Bible clearly tells us not to be judgmental. And, you know, I mean, wh why would you want to be judged? The Bible says, if you judge others, you will be judged. I mean, I, I'm, you know, what people do in their life, that's between them and God. That's not for me to tell them how to live their life. You know, we, we live in a free country, supposedly, all right? So, you know, in America, you can act like an idiot. We have a free country. Now, I do have a book called Don't Be Stupid um, that might help you, but you, you are, you know. It's interesting, it goes on to say this, um, um, verse three, and the pastor says, why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? 
How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. Um, first, First acknowledge and deal with your own blind spots and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spots of your friend. Interesting what Lynette actually pointed out that though the Christians that she knew, they were doing exactly the opposite of Matthew chapter seven. They were a bunch of hypocrites. You know, and no one here is a perfect Christian. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All right, we're, we're not perfect. And you know, that's why Jesus said he without sin cast the first stone. We're not perfect. You know what? But um, we're never gonna win the loss being judgmental. You know, someone's life ultimately depends upon that. Do you realize that? I mean, what if, what if nobody would have reached out to her? You know, she would still be in Portland, Oregon, probably doing her thing, lost and on the road to hell. But thank God that somebody decided to do what it says in the bumper sticker. What would Jesus do? And reached out with the love of God. And it not only changed her life, but now she's in ministry today, changing other people's lives. See, it's a snowball effect. You never know that, you know, what that person will do. We never know, you know, what they'll accomplish in life. You never know. You know, a lot of times when we see someone, we see them where they're at now, but God doesn't see us where we're at now. God sees our future. God sees our potential. And you know, God loves us in spite of our issues. In spite of our issues. And we as Christians need to love people in spite of their issues. In spite of our issues. You know, people say, well, yeah, but that person's mean to me. That person's rude to me. I'm here to tell you, people are mean and rude. And if you hadn't figured it out by now, you should figure it out. Maybe you're young. Maybe you're only 17, 18, just came here to Rainbow Bible Training College, rbtc.org for you watching online if you want to check it out. We are the Harvard of Bible Colleges. Um, we're accepting applications right now um, for January enrollment. All right. I want to make sure I got that ad out. Um, and all of you should do the same thing. Whenever you have a chance, just drop it. rbtc.org. Check it out. You know, that's, that's like my... I say it all the time. Anytime I have an opportunity, you know, in a public place, you know, even when I'm in political things, check us out. I'm a Bible training college, rbtc.org. Speaking of political places, you know, you know, you can go out and register to vote and please do. You know, I, I believe two things. You should pray for this country and you should vote. I think you should vote in every election, even if it's, you know, voting for the county dog catcher. It doesn't matter. You should vote for it because, you know, the dog catcher matters in life, you know. Everybody matters in life. And I have found out because I, I asked the other day, if you happen to be a student um, in Oklahoma, you can still register to vote in Oklahoma because you can, you can use one of your bills or whatever to show that you live in Oklahoma, even if you have, even if you have a, another driver's license. Now you can't, you can't vote in Oklahoma and your state too. That would be illegal, okay? But you know, there are some people that don't wanna, don't wanna do absentee ballots or whatever, you can register in Oklahoma if you're a student here at Rainbow Bible Training College. And so I encourage you to do that because I think it's important for us to exercise the right to vote. That's not a commercial, God bless you. Um, 
But we should be a light to the world. And the only way to be a light is not be condemning. The Bible says there's no condemning, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you know, but you're like, but they're not in Christ Jesus, but Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. And if we're supposed to be doing what Jesus would do, we're not here to condemn the world, but we're here to love the world. We're there here to point them toward a, a savior that can help them in their situation. You know, but it was because of the love of God that Lynette's life was changed. And she's just one story out of many that it was the love of God. It was someone not being the typical Christian. Every Christian she knew before that was judgmental and hypocritical. I mean, and that's sad. That's what, you know, I do not like judgmental, hypocritical Christians. In fact, actually, I actually almost wrote a book of why I hate Christians. Um, I know the title would actually get people, but it's not that I hate Christians. I hate, I, I, I dislike, I shouldn't say hate because my grandfather says hate should not be in vocabulary. The only reason, the only way you can re- use the word hate is when it comes to the devil himself. If you take the word out of your vocabulary, it might help you. But I dislike people that are, that are judgmental because I don't believe that they're doing, they're Christ-like. If the Bible says that God so loved the world and God is love, then how can I not show forth God's love to the world? How can I not? Because the love of God, the Bible says, is set abroad in my heart. And if I'm not loving the world, then I have issues on the inside of me. I don't know who I am in Christ. I need to renew my mind. If I'm, if, if I'm thinking judgmental thoughts, I need to renew my mind. Because see, if I'm thinking the thoughts of Jesus, I can't be judgmental toward anybody. You're like, yeah, but Craig, did they mess up? They did this, they did that. You know, 70 times seven, remember that. People do bad things. People are people. I mean, you know, I'm here to tell you, if, if, if you're worried about people being mean and rude, then you need to do something else. Please don't go into ministry because people are being mean and rude to you all the time. And they'll be mean and rude to you on Facebook. They'll send you all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, nice, nice, mean and rude letters. It's just life. But you know what? If we look at the, the gospels, do you realize the religious people were mean and rude to Jesus? Do you realize that? Do you know how many times? You know, there's one time where, 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 you know, whenever the, they let the guy down from the roof and Jesus says he, he perceived their thoughts. Their mean and rude thoughts. You know, and it's interesting you say, well, you know, you know the, the deal is, is that sometimes we cannot say something, but people can perceive our thoughts because the way we act. And so not only do we have to say the right things, we have to do the right things. I mean, you know, you can say something, but you, you can act like you're put off and, and like, you know, it doesn't matter what you say. You don't really love that person. You're, you're just saying that because that's what you think you should say. But we really should love the world. We really should have compassion and mercy toward a lost and dying and hurting world. You know, and if you don't, I encourage you to get my grandfather's book, Love the Way to Victory, and read it. But not only read it, be a doer of it. You know, it's interesting because at his funeral, and actually we're coming up um, on the 19th, 20 years since he passed away, on, you know, in a couple of days. 
But at his funeral, even though he's the father of the modern day faith movement, according to Wikipedia and many other people, at, at his funeral, people didn't talk about his faith. People talked about his love. People talked about his love. And um, it is interesting because um, Reinhard Bonnke one time said this about my grandfather. He says, you know what? That man is the closest thing that has ever walked the earth to Jesus. And it wasn't about his faith. It's about his love that he saw. You know, the, the thing about it is, I believe it's our call to go out and love the world. I, I believe because, you know, God can't show forth his love without us. And if you're going to be judgmental, please do not tell people you go to Rainbow Bible Church ever. Just tell people you don't go to church. Because, you know, you're like, yeah, but that person's mean to me, you know. And the Bible doesn't say do to others as they do to you. It doesn't say that. It says do to others as you would have them do to you. I mean, treat people like you want to be treated, even when they're mean and rude to you. And you know what? Of course they're going to mean, you know, I, I guarantee you, when you run across a sinner and you say you're a Christian, they say they're a sinner, they're probably going to be standoffish at first because they're, they're, they're waiting for you to be condemning toward them. And when you're not condemning toward them, they're like, why are you different? Why are you not condemning? Because I, I'm, I'm trying to be like Jesus. Jesus wasn't condemning. Neither should you be. I just want to encourage you, not only today, not only this week, but for the rest of your life to look for an opportunity to show forth God's love to a hurting world because we need more people like Lynette sitting in the pews there. The only way to change someone's life is for us to not to be condemning, but to be loving and get them to church. You know, um, and um, the other side about it is if we bring someone to church that doesn't look the way we normally look or, you know, or, or whatever, us church members can't be condemning as well. You know, there's been times when a Christian motorcycle gang shows up at church and people like her stay away from them. They're, they're Christians, but you know, they have tattoos and whatever. And so they're, oh, they're, they're a bunch of heathens. You know, it doesn't matter what people look like. It doesn't matter, you know, that, that they don't look like they belong. Praise God, they're here. You know what? And if they sit in your seat where you normally sit, just praise God that they came. You know, because a lot of people get territorial, like, well, that's my seat. I sit there every Sunday. You know, <laughs> even though we have all these people in this church, everyone knows that I sit in the same seat. You know, when we look out, you realize that most of you sit in the you know, same seat or pretty close. Every Sunday we show up and it's really easy to be able to identify people because we know where they're going to sit. And maybe they're not at the exact same seat, but they're really close. But you know what? It doesn't matter if someone sits in your seat. Just praise God they're here. Praise God they're here. And, and I think that's why, you know, some of the most important people in the church actually are the greeters and the ushers. You know, the first contact that when someone walks in this door, they have is someone that's greeting them at the door. Or maybe when they find the seat, you know, one of the ushers that are there. And so we need to understand, you know, sometimes the people like, you know, sit in the wrong section or, or whatever, let's be nice to them. 
Let's not try to, you know, offend them when they first get here. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We magnify your name. We thank you, Father, that you'll help each and every one of us not to be judgmental, but to show forth God's love to a lost and dying and hurting world. Father God, we just thank you right now for bringing people across our path on a daily basis that we're able to love into the kingdom. Help us always to be Christ-like. Help us even whenever we have an opportunity to not be nice because of someone doing something to us. Help us to understand that we need to be like Jesus is. Help us understand that you love people even that are not doing the right thing even that are are engulfed in sin, that you love them and help us to be your hands and your feet to show forth God's love to them. But Father God, we thank you if anyone is here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We thank you, Father, that today that they'll come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here today and you grew up in church. But for some reason, you turn your back and you went away and you want to come back home and, and rededicate your life to God. Just lift your hand across the auditorium. If you're here in this room and you've never been saved or you want to rededicate your life to God, lift your hand right now. Or maybe you're here and you say, Craig, I don't know whether I'm a Christian or not. I've been to church a long time. You know, my grandfather calls it a no-so experience. If you don't know whether you're saved tonight, you can, or this morning, you can know. If that's you, if you're in this auditorium and, and, you, and you have never been saved or you want to rededicate your life to God or you don't know whether you're saved or not, just lift your hand. We want to pray with you. We want to give that opportunity for your life to be changed. Maybe you've been in gross sin like Lynette you know, was in. But praise God, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. And Jesus came and died upon the cross for your salvation. Father God, I don't see any hands, but we thank you. If anyone is here today that that needs to be saved, we thank you, Father, for sending labors across their path on a daily basis. And we thank you, Father. Oh, we do have a hand? All right, I guess we do have a hand. Amen. Let's all stand up. If you raised your hand or you should have raised your hand, I want you to come down here right now. I have a hand over here. But if there's somebody else and you didn't raise your hand, but you should have, come down here. Come down here. Hallelujah. Maybe there's somebody else. You know, sometimes it takes somebody to what we call break the ice. If you need to come down here, come down here. Jennifer, what you came down for is a gift from God. It belongs to you. If I said I wanted to give you these books, how would you get these books? You reach out and take them. That's how, that's how you receive a gift from God. Just reach out and take them. You know, you like Christmas? I like Christmas. Christmas is a, is a day that we give gifts. It's interesting because 
I know that my mom growing up would put my gifts under the tree and put my name on it to Craig from mom and dad. You know, and I'd go shake the gift sometimes or whatever. But then Christmas Day came, or we opened presents on Christmas Eve, and I was able to open the gift and became a reality in my life. Today is your Christmas Day. You get to open a gift that becomes a reality in, in your life. And, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome to, to have that a reality. And it doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've been. God loves you. He loves Jennifer. And he's here to help you. He, he's here to be with you. He's here to lead you and guide you. I'm going to pray with you right here. I'm going to send you to a place and they're going to pray with you more. They're going to, they're going to give you some material. Well, you already have some, some books here and they're going to make sure you got the gift you came for. It's okay. Put my hand on your head. Father God, we thank you for Jennifer. We thank you, Father, for her life. We thank you, Father, for setting her free. We thank you, Father, for ministering to her like never before. We thank you, Father, that you're changing her life and she'll never be the same. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you'll just turn this way, go with Greg and Christy to a special place of prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Reach your hands out toward Jennifer and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jennifer. We thank you for her life. We thank you that she'll never be the same again after today. We thank you, Father, that, that her life will be changed and she'll be able to make a difference in this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, praise God. God is a good God. Amen. Amen. If you're a first time visitor, we're glad to have you today. Um, the connection team is in the aisle. They want to take you back to the North Lobby very quickly and give you a gift. Amen. Well, you know, the way we dismiss around here, the pastoral staff um, is headed to the doors. Amen. Don't forget tonight, 6 p.m. Um, be here. God bless you guys. Have a great day.